0: hello and welcome to the et phd team podcast the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you i'm Amelia, a registered nutritionist and phd with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier if you love it please do go wild and share it and if you're ready for support with our coaching details are in the show notes Team podcast. Today's episode is all about finding a healthful balance with your relationship with exercise. We talk so much about your relationship with food, but one of the core pillars of the ETPHD method is exercise and training, and how this can complement your health. So many of us think about exercise as a way to punish our bodies, or to burn off calories, or to maintain or to develop a certain aesthetic. This episode is for you. Hello. So on this episode, I'm going to be covering how to move away from training and eating for how you look and moving it towards training and eating for how you want to feel and ultimately for your health. We really want to heal this dysfunctional relationship specifically with exercise. So obviously, we talk a lot about nutrition on this podcast and predominantly we're talking about nutrition, but I think that we often underestimate how much our relationship with exercise kind of ties in with that. So, so many some so many of you will come to me with a question saying, how can I stop thinking about exercise for the way that I look and start thinking about exercise for the way that I want to feel? And I think the reason we kind of start off in this toxic relationship with exercise is ultimately like... Such a cliche, but diet culture. Diet culture very much pulls us out of thinking about how we feel in our bodies and it moves us into thinking about how we can change our bodies, right? So, a lot of us started exercising as a way to change the way that we looked. We, at 16 years old, are not thinking about what age we're going to die at or like our metabolic health or our cardiovascular health. We don't even know what that is. So, if we're exercising at 16. We're doing it because we want a bigger butt or we want to be thinner or we want to be thicker. And what happens is that we kind of develop this relationship with exercise where 10 years down the line, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, we are only exercising just to change the way that we look. And what happens is we start to feel guilty if we're not exercising and we start to feel guilty when we take rest. And we genuinely believe that it's changing our body in some way. So I want to cover that narrative in our heads, like the, the stories that we're telling ourselves, and I want to cover, as always, a bit of the research behind that. The reason that this is really important is that, first of all, focusing on how your body looks just with the exercise can become unbelievably boring very, very quickly. Um, nobody wants to hear you talk about... Getting a bigger arse. Like nobody cares that you're training for the way that your body looks. And if you want to exercise consistently for the rest of your life, focusing solely on how your body looks is going to get really, really boring and your motivation to exercise is going to dwindle very, very quickly. Um, if you're only looking at exercise and food through the lens of weight loss and weight maintenance, it creates Ultimately, very disordered thinking patterns and very disordered behaviours around this. And we know from the research that women who invest more energy into their appearance are more likely to experience body dissatisfaction, disordered eating, and lower well-being. And there's also a lot of research around body neutrality and focus on what focus on what our body can do rather than how it looks. Ultimately, creates a more positive body image. So we on the ATPHD podcast talk about body neutrality a lot and it's just it's not about loving your body for the way that it looks necessarily it's about being grateful for your body for what she allows and that is the kind of shift that we want to get to with exercise moving from this exercise is going to make my legs look this way and these legs allow me to do exercise and um perform in the, in this way instead and there was this really cool meta-analysis so remember meta-analysis is a bit of research that takes ultimately a number of different research papers and, and findings and puts them together in one big study and they run statistics on all of those studies so it's really it's a really reliable source of scientific information. So there was this 2009 meta-analysis, and they included 26 studies, and they were looking at the effects of exercise motivations on body image and eating habits and behaviours. And what they found was that autonomous motivations, so autonomous motivations are things like exercising for pleasure, exercising for health and for well-being, and also health-focused exercise, were associated with positive body image and healthy eating habits and behaviours. On the flip side of that, exercising for appearance-related and other controlled reasons was inversely related to body image and healthy eating habits. So if we're thinking about exercise and we're thinking about it in terms of I'm exercising to change the way that my body looks, we're much more likely to actually have a negative impact on our body image and a negative impact on our eating habits and ultimately our potentially disordered eating habits. And we know that consistently from the research. So that's why it's so, so important to start thinking about exercise away from the way that your body looks. What I also really wanted to touch on was this idea of exercise addiction, because for a lot of you who focus exercise solely on the way that your body looks you also have signs of i uh, kind of going to use quotation marks here of exercise addiction loads of you feel like you're unable to take time off because you think it's going to change your body in some way and what's again really interesting with the research is that with exercise we tend to see an improvement in body image self-efficacy body functionality appreciation and I'm going to touch on what body functionality is and obviously, of course, fitness. But this is only up to a certain point. Because after that point, a higher prevalence of exercise actually appears to be associated with a negative body image. So we don't like we want to encourage movement and exercise to support your body image. But again, not excessively so. And so when I'm talking about exercise addiction and why I'm using it in quotation marks is that it's not technically an addiction addiction. So a number of studies have reported on individuals who exercise excessively and feel unable to stop, despite negative consequences. But there's still insufficient evidence to kind of categorise exercise as an addictive disorder. But again, a meta-review that was published in 2020, so in this specific uh, piece of research, they included 17 studies. And they found that exercise-related symptoms corresponded with seven of the nine DSM 5 criteria for gambling disorder. So, DSM 5, um, their criteria are kind of the diagnostic criteria that, that we use for mental health disturbances. And so, like I said, seven of the nine DSM 5 criteria for gambling disorder corresponded with these exercise related symptoms. And as a result of this meta-analysis, what the, d- the researchers did is they suggested um, 10 specific criteria for exercise addiction. And I'm going to read these out to you because I want you to think, as I read these out, do I relate to any of these criteria? Do I resonate with any of these things that I'm about to say? So they suggested 10 criteria for what they're suggesting as exercise addiction are increase in volume, consistently increasing your exercise volume. Negative affect around exercise, so sometimes feeling negative about your relationship with exercise. Um, An inability to reduce exercise. A preoccupation with exercise. So that might be maybe you're sat at work and you're thinking about exercise later or the exercise that you did this morning or that you should go out and do steps. Using exercise as a coping strategy. Now, we saw this a lot in lockdown in 2020, right? A lot of feedback from people, if you say feedback, it's probably a nice way to put it, was that their coping strategy had been taken away from them. And it is important that we have healthful outlets to manage our emotions and our feelings and exercise can be a super healthful outlet for that. But what we don't want is that exercise is our sole coping mechanism for everything. Just kind of like when I talk about emotional eating, right? And I say, emotional eating is absolutely fine. We just don't want it to be our only coping strategy. It's the same with exercise. So exercise as a coping strategy. Um, The next criteria is continuation despite illness or injury. And I know many of you struggle to take time off when you're ill or when you're injured. For reference, if you are ill... You should only exercise, A, if you feel up to it and you feel healthy enough to do so, but B, if you have symptoms below the neck, that is generally what we in the evidence-based community would say is is a sign to to rest. Um, The next criteria is minimisation. The next, jeopardised relationships. Continuation, despite recognising the consequences. And guilt when exercise is missed. So those are the 10 criteria that the researchers suggested was to do with exercise addiction and I want you to think how many of those do I relate to and if you you know have checked some of them off it might be a sign that actually you do need to do some work on your relationship with exercise as well potentially as your relationship with food. So we know that body satisfaction like I said generally improves alongside improvements in fitness but What we also know is that this is not because of the changes in how we look. So sometimes we think, well, I'm exercising regularly and my body image is improving. It must be because my butt is getting bigger or because I'm getting, you know, I look leaner or, you know, or I don't look leaner, I look thicker. Um, And we think it's because of these physical changes, but it's actually not. A study in 2011 looked at fitness interventions designed specifically to improve body image. What was really interesting is that the objective changes in fitness explained less than 15% of the variance in body satisfaction. It was actually the subjective feelings of the participants that explained more of the changes in body satisfaction than the physical itself. What that means is focusing on body functionality, i.e. what our body allows, might actually play a bigger role in explaining these improvements in body satisfaction than the aesthetic changes itself. So again, focusing on body functionality and the kind of physical changes within ourselves, as opposed to the physical external appearance, is super important. There is an association between body fat and body satisfaction, and and I think that sometimes we downplay this because we talk about body image and body image is a perception right body image is about how we think feel and act in relation to our body and how we perceive it it's less so sometimes we talk sometimes you'll say oh I don't like my body image thinking it's to do with the shape of your body or the way that your body looks but it's really about body image is about our perceptions and as a result of that, what we find, I think, a lot is, you know, coaches who are trying to do similar work to ETPHD or within this space who are um, trying to improve people's support people to improve their body image, they say, well, body image has got zero to do with your body. And as much as it, it doesn't, it's about a perception. I don't think that we should minimise the fact that there does appear to be this association between body fat and body satisfaction. Um, but interestingly some research in 2010 highlighted highlighted that this association between body fat and body satisfaction is actually less prevalent in those who regularly exercise and those who play sport so the reason this is relevant is if you're somebody maybe in a larger body or potentially in a relatively smaller body maybe on the um, more lower end of the BMI scale, you may see some associations with your body fat and body dissatisfaction. So specifically, really, if you're in a larger body and you're struggling with body satisfaction, one way to support yourself with this is actually to do regular exercise or play regular sport, which is unsurprising given the fact that we know the research is there that people who exercise tend to have a better body image. I want to I think it's really important right if you're trying to move away from understanding that or focusing exercise on the way that your body looks I think it's really important that we actually understand all of the things that exercise does away from how our body looks and that would be a podcast in itself and obviously with these solo podcasts especially I don't tend to keep them very long because I know you are all got busy lives and got shit to do. Um, Most importantly if we look at the energy expenditure of our bodies we often overemphasize how much we think exercise plays a role in this so let's take our energy expenditure as 100 percent. 60 to 75 percent of that is used for our basal metabolic rate so like the predominant energy requirement for our for staying alive is literally staying alive it's our basal metabolic rate 10 percent of that is on the thermic effect of feeding so the energy required to uh, digest our food and then 15 to 30 percent of that is on the thermic effect of physical activity so you might be on the higher end of that up towards 30 percent if you do a lot of exercise or you have a high output but that's not the gym time That's 15 to 30% of your total daily energy expenditure is on the thermic effect of physical activity. That's total physical activity, which might include exercise. It might include um, your walking to work, your fidgeting, etc. So we massively overemphasize this contribution to exercise. Exercise is probably a maximum of 4% of your day ideally you you shouldn't be exercising for more than an hour a day unless you know you're training for something specific. I'm not going to say like you should or shouldn't be doing x amount of work um, or x amount of training. But it, on in, on average it's about 40% 4% of your day. Um which is nothing. And yet you feel guilty when you don't do that 4% of your day. And you think that you shouldn't eat in a certain way because of that four percent of your day being different, and yet up to seventy-five percent of your expenditure is already the same from your BMR, and then another ten percent on top of that from the thermic effect of eating. I think one of the reasons for this is that most people overestimate the calorie requirement of exercise, especially as you know people who use fitness trackers. Fitness trackers are not accurate. There was one study in 2017 that showed that Apple Watches had an error rate of up to 40% for energy expenditure. So if we look at an example of someone who burns about 200 calories in exercise, you think that you've burned about 200 calories, but you might be expending anything from 120 calories to 280. And if you look at that across the day, you might think you're expending 2,000 calories, but actually it could be anywhere between 1,200 and 2000, 2,800 calories. Um... So these fitness watches are really, really not accurate for energy expenditure. We've seen this time and time again in research. And yet, when you don't train and your fitness watch says it's a couple of hundred calories different from the days that you do train, you feel guilty and you feel like it's going to impact your body composition. It's really, really not. Um, most Most of our energy expenditure is done without exercising and... Um, my good friend Graham, the fitness chef, he did a really good reel on this recently, actually, and I I loved it. And one of the things he said in it was, "Um, it takes one hundred and fifty minutes to quote unquote burn off McDonald's fries." Um, and what he was saying is like, well, actually, it takes me five hours of simply existing to do the same. And I and I really like it because it just highlights like literally living your life requires energy. Um, so we need to kind of take the step back from food being about exercise, because ultimately that is very much tied into exercising for the way that we look. Other benefits of exercise away from, away from the way that you look. Stress resilience. We know that with consistent physical exercise, we actually see some reorganisation in the brain because of epigenetic, epigenetic changes, um, and we become more stress resilient. We have other cognitive benefits of exercise, so improvements in executive function, super important if you have ADHD um, and struggle with potentially struggle with that. You have improvements in memory, improvements in mood, reductions in cognitive decline as you get older. There are cardiovascular benefits, metabolic benefits, for example. Uh, re- reductions in blood pressure, improvements in insulin sensitivity, reductions in cardiovascular disease risk and type 2 diabetes risk. With, um, If you're somebody on a fertility journey, exercise improves fertility or is associated with higher rates of fertility, should I say. It improves our psychological well-being. It also results in improvements in um, embodiment, how it kind of feels to live in your body. It's been consistently shown that greater muscle mass is associated with lower all-cause mortality. All-cause mortality is a phrase that we use in research basically for um, reasons for dying. Um, And so it's consistently shown that greater muscle mass is associated with lower risk of of dying. There was a study in 2018 and it had 4,500 people. And it highlighted that low muscle strength was independently associated with elevated risk of all-cause mortality, regardless of muscle mass. So it's not about how much muscle you can build. It's also about how strong you are. It's actually literally impacting your longevity. And yet you're sat at home worrying about the size of your butt. A 2018 meta-analysis of nearly 100,000 people, which is huge, um, identified that This association of lean mass with mortality was most studied in cancer patients, followed by people with renal diseases, liver diseases, elderly people, people with cardiovascular disease, lung disease and other diseases. And consistently, consistently, we see this association of lean mass with mortality. Exercise is fundamental to your health and yeah you are so preoccupied with the way that your body looks, you're forgetting all of these things. You're forgetting that every time you go to the gym, you're potentially reducing your risk of type 2 diabetes. Every time you go and go for a run, you're improving your stress resilience up to a certain point. Remember the law of diminishing returns. In the, the, this is kind of the idea of when you first start exercising... you do three sessions of training a week you kind of get this exponential increase in the improvements and the benefits of those exercise training sessions but when you increase those exercise training sessions to four five six a week what happens probably four or five what happens is that those benefits kind of start to level off. so you get a bit of improvement a bit of benefit but it's nothing compared to the benefit you get from those first three sessions after that five You know, upwards six, seven sessions a week, whatever that looks like for you, you're actually moving into like this these diminishing returns. You're doing yourself a disservice because your training intensity is impacted, and you're not recovering so well. uh, It's it's kind of adding this additional stress onto your body. Now, again, I'm generalizing here for um, most people listening to this podcast. Obviously, if you're an athlete or you're training for a specific event, this might be a little bit different for you, but what I hope that you can take from this is that doing three exercise training sessions a week is unbelievably important for your health where possible, where able and I think that is one thing that is super important to note and I certainly don't want to minimise this is that some people are, have experienced chronic pain Some people are not able-bodied and this can impact our self concept so the beliefs that we have about ourselves and our body image, so how we experience and we perceive our bodies. And I think when we're talking about even our ability to exercise, we massively, massively um, negate to talk about the fact that many people are not able to exercise in the way that we are and actually even just thinking about this kind of impact of exercise on the way that we look is is a a gift if this is your biggest concern like it's imagine your biggest concern being how big your butt could be or how lean you can get when some people are not even able to exercise because they're in chronic pain I think a moment of gratitude for that is really really helpful so what can you actually do about it how can you stop thinking about exercise purely for the way that you look, the most important thing is to start practising body functionality. Body functionality basically describes everything that the body is able to do across diverse domains. Those with greater body functionality scores generally exhibit more positive body image, and there's two parts to that. Body functionality awareness, i.e. being aware of what our body allows, and then body functionality appreciation, actually expressing our gratitude for what our body allows. We want to do both. And there's four key domains to body functionality. Sometimes when I ask people to think about um, what your body allows, they go to the same motions. Allow me to walk to work, allow me to go to the gym. Let's get a little bit deeper. So these four domains, the first is internal processes, immunity, digestion, simply breathing. How often are you grateful for the fact that you're even alive and breathing? Every second you're breathing. How amazing is your body for allowing that to happen without you even having to think about it? The second, physical endeavours. So that might be working, cleaning, exercising, having sex, um, going for a walk. The third, bodily sensations, taste, love, empathy, compassion, anger, grief, um, smell, just think back to what you had for breakfast this morning how grateful are you that you could taste that if you've had covid you know how brutal that was when i had covid i was unbelievably upset that i couldn't taste my food it ruined my days um obviously i'm slightly toxically positive and got over it relatively fast and um, the fourth is creativity so you might think you're not a very creative person but that might include things like singing I sing, even though I can't sing, let's call it creative. Writing, journaling. Um, some people on our team love, what's it called? Crochet. And the fifth is self-care. Meditation, pursuing your passions, auditioning the finger puppets. Whatever self-care looks like to you, your body allows that. So try move away when we're thinking about, you know, focus on what our body can do just from the physical stuff, what I see quite a lot is people who are trying to improve their relationship with the exercise and they are trying to move away from thinking about their body looks and then they just shift it straight on to the physical side of things, how much can I lift, how much can I run, how quickly can I run it in and the problem with that is what happens when that's taken away, what happens when you get ill or when you get injured or god forbid you actually are never able to do those things again If you're putting all of your body image and your worth into physically being able to do things, you're at a huge risk when you're not able to physically do things anymore. So focusing on those internal processes, the bodily sensations, the creativity, the self-care are so important. And something that we do with ETPHD clients is that we will encourage them, our people that we work with to make lists like this every day. At the end of every day, pick three things. Write down these kind of core areas and think, OK, well, maybe I can pick three things that my body's allowed for me to do today. And then when you've done that, sit for just one minute. It takes one minute. Close your eyes and breathe into your body and say thanks. Thank you, body, for allowing me to taste the cinnamon bun. Thank you, body, for allowing me to go on this date last night. Thank you, body, for allowing me to have really good sex. Do it every single day and try and think about different things that you can say thank you for it is hugely impactful and body functionality is consistently associated with improvements in body image other things that you can do to try and get out of this mindset of exercise just being about the way that your body looks ask yourself before you do any exercise is this movement nourishing or is this movement punishing for my body because if it's a the latter then why are you doing that Treat movement like a gift to your body. Stop thinking about it as something that you have to do to earn what you've eaten or to change the way that you look. Your body loves movement. To a certain extent, your body also loves rest. So think about everything that you do, be that yoga or resistance training or going for a run, as a gift to your body. And when it doesn't feel like a gift anymore, then question, is that the right thing for you to be doing? find exercise that you enjoy like I love going skateboarding um I mean I'm not very good at it but I love it and so some days my exercise session is going skateboarding but you're not supposed to hate exercise like don't get me wrong I, I, you know we talk about this quite a lot we not don't all necessarily love weight training all of the time but again if you think about the health benefits of exercise weight training is it's a fundamental it's a non-negotiable for anyone that's that's exercising for their health but we intersperse that, we program effectively so that we only need to go to the gym or get to go to the gym three times a week. And then we do other things that we enjoy. And, and on that note, try different movements. So range from you know gentle movement to more intense movement and give yourself some flexibility in your routine for so many years I went to the gym five days a week if not six days a week and consistently did the same lift Uh, it makes me want to die just thinking about it but I loved it at the time but I didn't give myself any flexibility so that if I did miss a day I felt guilty because I'd fallen out of my routine and just like when we talk about food and the perfectionist mindset with food we we use food as a way or being perfect with our food as a way to find control sometimes we do that with exercise too And it's really important that you give yourself unconditional permission to train differently should you want to do that. And I was speaking to one of my clients recently who wanted to incorporate circuit classes into her training. And she said, well, is this going to impact my body composition? And I was like, realistically, the difference that's going to make to your body composition is trivial compared to the difference it's going to make to your life if you actually enjoy doing it. Stop wearing your activity tracker if it's triggering for you. If you struggle with equating exercise to uh, calories or to the way that your body looks, take off your damn tracker. It is not helpful to you. You don't need it, and you'll be very, very surprised actually at how easy it is to take it off and leave it off, even though the thought of it is quite uncomfortable. Some people find things like logging lifts helpful. So when you're trying to move away again from thinking about looks, focusing on strength can be quite helpful. But some people actually find that just a new tr- kind of trigger and focus. So. Be a bit aware with yourself on that one. When you go to the gym, stop taking so many selfies. Wear like clothes that are comfortable to you. I was talking to someone this about this other day. I remember the days I'd go in and I'd wear my matching lycra outfits and um, my sports bra and my trainers and my socks. Everything would match, and I would go in and I would take ten selfies in the mirror. And then every time I was lifting, I wanted to see like my angles, and oh, it was just grim. Um, it's all body checking. And if you're, con- if you're associating the gym with body checking, then you're associating the gym with the way that your body looks. Put on some comfortable clothes. So nowadays I wear leggings. I wear a baggy t-shirt that comes down to like just above my knees. And I'm going to be honest, I, I look pretty foul, but I get in and do the job and I'm going to leave and it's not about the way that my body looks. Include some somatic work. Somatic work is obviously, I mean, for me right now, it's a bit of a buzzword, but it encourages you to come back to your body so that you can learn to start listening to her again. This is something that you're missing. If you're consistently exercising for the way that your body looks or for calories, you're consistently exercising from this external driver, right? This extrinsic motivation. What you want is to start exercising from intrinsic drivers. So how your body feels, how you're gifting your body, how you're nourishing your body. And in order to do that, you need to actually understand how your body feels. And so somatic work, whether that be yoga or doing body scans or some mindfulness practice, will really help you start to recognise how your body feels in response to these things. I think sometimes, especially with people who overexercise a little bit, we don't even understand how good our bodies are supposed to feel. I know for me, when I was competing... I think I was just in a chronic state of exhaustion all the time, especially at the kind of end of prep. And it took me years to figure out, actually, my body is supposed to feel relaxed. My body is supposed to feel chilled and energized and rested. And you're not supposed to feel hammered all the time. But if you're constantly hammering your body, you don't even recognize that you're constantly hammering your body anymore. And only when you've started to incorporate this work and you start to realise oh absolutely this doesn't necessarily feel good practice gratitude and I mean that falls into body functionality appreciation but every day I think Oprah taught me wake up and say thanks for being alive gratitude is consistently associated with um, improved overall well-being um, improved body image and when I I've talked a lot about body image in this podcast and the reason for that is when you have a more positive body image, you're much more likely to treat your body well. And so one of the ways to really actually improve your relationship with exercise is to improve your body image. So doing that work is so important and sometimes I think people think that body image just changes overnight if you want it to change or if you just wake up one day and you're 30 years old and you suddenly have this good body image. It doesn't work like that babe, you have to actually do the work. You have to actively be intentional with the body image work, which is why it's one of the core pillars of the ETPHD method. We ask our clients to keep body image diaries, to work on their body check-in, to work on their inner critic, to start exercising for the way that they feel. You have to be intentional with that. You also have to be intentional with taking time to rest. Even though it feels uncomfortable to you initially, taking time to rest is so crucial if not just for the fact that your training sessions will be better but I don't really like framing rest as a productive thing I don't think that's necessarily helpful but at least initially when you're trying to improve this relationship thinking of rest as um, a way to allow you to train harder or work better can be helpful but it's not a long-term strategy Unfollow people who leave you comparing your body or people who promote exercise solely for aesthetic reasons. Now, I'm not against people that say these are top five exercises to improve your glutes or to increase your butt size. Like, I'm not against that. But if that's all your timeline is, what do you think is going to happen when you go to the gym? That's all you're going to be thinking about, right? Get curious about what your need to be perfect with exercise and your food is doing for you. I think... It's really easy to kind of brush it off as just like this disordered, like dysfunctional relationship with exercise. But there's a reason that you're you feel so drawn to exercise, and there's a reason that you're so focused on the way that your body looks. What is that reason? Sometimes we are so focused on our, on our exercise and the way that our body looks, and maybe our food, because it's much easier to be so focused on those things than to be focused on parts of our life that are not fulfilling us anymore and it's can take some time to recognize what that might be for you but it's certainly worth doing some writing and journaling around when you notice thoughts and stories in your head coming up saying you know you should be exercising or this exercise is not optimal for the way that you look etc ask yourself like is this thought or is this fact and is this thought actually helpful to me make sure you're scheduling time off Um, and manage the time that you're spending in the gym I think back to the times that I used to spend two hours in the gym and I just think how on earth did I get anything else done in my life like now if I get three sessions in a week and I'm doing 40 minutes a session I'm buzzing off my tits because I can't believe I've managed to fit that in and I'm not a super busy person anymore I do have time management and boundaries pretty in place but think what else you could be doing with that time when you're doing all of those excessive hours in the gym you could be out living your best life a few additional kind of closing things to consider is that your body is not always going to be there she is literally the one vessel that you have and imagine you just woke up tomorrow and you couldn't move the way that you do now you couldn't see the way that you see now you couldn't feel the way that you feel now how would it feel to have all of that taken away from you And sit with that for a second, because she's not always going to be there. So she deserves you to treat her well, whilst she is. Your body is going to change. It changes every single day, and it's going to change every day for the rest of your life. One of the reasons you're so attached to exercise for the way that your body looks is because you think that you can keep your body the way that it is, or change it to something completely different. Accept that your body is impermanent and try not to attach to any part of it. Try not to attach to a specific physique, especially physiques that you've had in the past. Impermanence and attachment are two Buddhist principles that are so important for every part of our life. But I think accepting that bodies change and you don't even need to actively be changing them. Like you can gain weight, you can lose weight, Without actually doing any of those things, they don't need such a focus. Embrace the colourful nature of your body and how much that's going to change over your life and how much it's a reflection of the fact that you're living your best life. Like, that's an incredible thing. Exercise regularly, but focus on how it makes you feel, the way that it takes you out of your head, the way that it nourishes you, and less on the calories it's burning. What you want to do is just fall in love with what your body allows you to do and this is going to help you so much in terms of your body satisfaction your relationship with exercise your relationship with food your relationship with other people exercise is there to support our health psycho like our psychological health our physical health it's not there to burn calories so take off your fitness tracker and try and do try and shift the focus onto some of the things that we spoke about today <music> thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes